0: hi welcome to the vineyard altoona podcast where we attempt to equip people for kingdom release if you have any questions or just want more information you can visit our website at vineyard or any of our social media platforms at vineyard altoona and now here's derek with the message Hello again, welcome to Vineyard Altoona. My name is Derek. I'm the co-senior pastor here, and I especially want to welcome you if this is the first time uh, you're connecting with us. Uh, hopefully sometime we can get to know each other and, uh, and maybe get coffee or something. Uh, I want to go ahead and just dive in. You know, some of you may know this about me, uh, but I'm somebody who wants to know uh, things for sure. I, I, I'm somebody that, that wants certainty. And so uh, when I don't know how to do something or or I, I don't really understand something, I really seek out experts. I seek out people who who know and have done uh, the things that I want to understand. And so you know as we've been talking about the vision of this church as we go forward uh, and, and creating a, you know a space, on Sunday mornings for people to connect that would make them feel welcomed and safe and comfortable to to take a step toward Jesus, I felt like I I should really reach out to somebody who's done this and has done it well. Uh, and so uh, I, I couldn't think of anybody better than the pastor of the Syracuse Vineyard. Um, his name is John Elmer. And uh, John and I kind of know of each other. We've never really interacted all that much uh, but we've been in some of the same rooms. Um, but he's been Jerry's coach for a couple of years. So he knows of me and I kind of know of him. Uh, but I thought, you know, let me just see if I can go and, and hang out with him. I had a couple of days uh, where I didn't have to work. And so I reached out to John and I just texted him. And I asked Jerry for his phone number. I texted him. I said, hey, this is Derek from uh, Altoona. I, I wanted to see if I could come and, and walk around with you for a couple of days and, and go to whatever spaces you'd be comfortable with me going to, uh, and then just see how you interact with people and and ask a whole bunch of questions. Well, he didn't text me back. And then a little while later, he called me. <laughs> Uh, I guess maybe it's it's weird to text somebody that you don't really know uh, and ask him for such a big favor. Uh, but he called me and he said, Eric, what are you hoping to get out of this experience? And I just told him that. I said, you know, I, I want to learn how to pastor a church that's moving into this next uh, stage of life. Uh, and so I kind of figured I'd go up there, get a hotel and go wherever he welcomed me to go. And he said, no, I want you to stay at my house. And I was kind of shocked by that. he this guy doesn't really know me but he said I want you to stay at my house and so I, I was like, well I can get a hotel I don't want I know it's a little bit imposing for me to just ask if I can tag along with you for a couple of days uh, but he said no I want you to stay at my house and so uh, about two weeks ago I went up and and went to his house and and, and John didn't just say I'm glad you are here whatever he he welcomed me in. He, he had a, a bedroom set up for me. He had a towel and a washcloth and, you know, sheets on the bed. And, and I had my own bed, my own bedroom, my own bathroom. And, and John went out of his way to show me around the house to, to make me feel comfortable being there. He showed me where the coffee was and how the coffee maker worked. And uh, he said, you know, if you're up before I am, you know, just you feel free to make coffee. And, and he just gave me this sense of he was glad that I was there. I, I mean, if you, if you follow my story, I kind of imposed a little bit, and yet he welcomed me. I wonder if you've ever been treated to excellent hospitality. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever been treated to excellent hospitality? Last week, I began a series uh, that I'm calling highly valued. And it's based on our second core value of we highly value the outsider. And I started this series by talking about the vision for ta- uh, fall 2021. If you didn't catch last week's message, you can catch it on the podcast. But essentially, it boils down to three things that that we want to uh, we want to create, Uh, a a space, a Sunday morning, where people feel comfortable to come and engage with Jesus. And we want to have a place that's stable, that we want to stop moving around all the time. And the third thing I said is that we want to have a kid's ministry that matters to kids, that impacts the next generation. And the question that I asked last week was, how far would you go to see people come to faith in Jesus? And the way that I answered that question is that we want to be people who would go to whatever lengths necessary to see people come to faith in Jesus, as long as it doesn't compromise the gospel message. And as we press into that, this idea that we want to see people come to know Jesus, that we go to whatever lengths, one of the things that may become clear to you is that we have an expectation to welcome many people into this church family that we don't yet know. To effectively live into the vision and calling that God has given us, we have to be hospitable people. People who extend the welcome of the kingdom to people we don't know. Now, in part, what this means is that we want to create an environment in our Sunday worship gathering That's welcoming and hospitable to to, uh, those who are not yet here. But I don't believe that it's only God's heart that we would have a great uh, hospitable Sunday morning. It is. But I believe that God's desire for you and for me is that we would be a people Who's who live a life that is marked by extending the welcome of the kingdom, extending kingdom hospitality wherever we go, that we would be a people who live whole lives of hospitality. And so today, as we continue this series, I'm calling today's message, Living a Hospitable Life. Let's pray, and then we're going to turn to Scripture. And so, Lord, I do welcome you into this time and into this space. And Holy Spirit, I just say, come, have your way. God, I pray that you would would speak through me this morning. God, that you would come and have your way. Lord, so we surrender whatever ideas or thoughts that we, we show up with, anything that we, that we come uh, with, the baggage that we bring, God, we lay it down at your feet because we want to hear a fresh word from you. And so, God, would you put power on this message? Lord, I pray that many people be, would be welcomed into the kingdom as a result of us living the way uh, that we learn about today. So come, Holy Spirit, have your way. Bring your kingdom here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn in your Bible with me to Hebrews chapter 13. If you don't know where that is, Hebrews is near the end of the Bible. We're going to turn to chapter 13. Now, Hebrews is is a letter but we don't exactly, scholars don't know for certain who the author of the letter is. One thing that, that is certain is that the, the author has firsthand knowledge of the apostles. That, that he has some relationship to the apostles that, that is firsthand, it's not far off. The other thing that we don't know about the letter to the Hebrews is just which group of Christians the author is writing to. One of the things that's clear as you read the letter of Hebrews is that it's written to Jewish Christians who know the Old Testament very well. And this group of Christians is, in, is staring uh, a persecution in the face, and they're facing uh, opposition for faith in Jesus, and they are tempted to turn from Jesus back to Jewish custom that's comfortable. And so the author of Hebrews spends most of the letter explaining how Jesus is the fulfillment of all that Jewish faith uh, was pointing toward. And basically what the author is saying is it's useless to turn back to Jewish custom because Jesus is far superior to anything that you would turn back to. And so this is the theme of the letter, that over and over and over, the, the, the author wants to make sure that everybody knows that whatever you would be turning back to is lesser than Jesus. And the call of the author of Hebrews is to cling tightly to faith in Jesus. And in fact, when you get near the, the end, uh, chapters 11 uh, and, and into 12, the author is saying, so because Jesus is far superior, think of the faith of all of the people of the Old Testament that we would know as people of faith, and cling to Jesus with that faith. And so as the letter gets to chapter 13, it's the last chapter in the letter, there are these final charges, these final things, these final uh, exhortations that the, the author of Hebrews uh, gives, and, and here's what it here's what it says. And I only I'm only gonna look at two verses. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Here's what it says: it says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing by so doing, some people have shown hospitality. To angels without knowing it. Now, chapter 12 finishes with the author telling the Hebrews to worship God acceptably. And then in the very next verse, he turns and says, Now keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. In essence, it's critical for believers to love one another. But then in verse two, he says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. And it seems that these things are building on this call uh, to to worship God acceptably. That the way that we would worship God acceptably is to love one another and to not forget to show hospitality to strangers. And you might wonder, well, these things seem kind of different. Keep loving one another. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. They don't seem to be kind of the same thing they're kind of different but i want i want to show you underneath this what the author is calling them to verse one uh the greek word under this is the the word philadelphia philadelphia it's philo meaning love and adelphia meaning brotherhood and it's love of brothers and sisters that the author says that we love one another as brothers and sisters but then verse two there's another philo word and the word is philozenia. Philo meaning love and xenos meaning stranger. And so really what the author of Hebrews is saying is love your brothers and sisters, love your fellow Christians and love the outsider, love the stranger. And so what we need to understand is that when we talk about biblical hospitality, what we're talking about is loving strangers. The call to hospitality is not one where I was looking for a verse here uh, to to try to preach a message on hospitality. It's a cover-to-cover understanding of how God's people function, that cover-to-cover God's people are to love outsiders and to love strangers. It's the very opposite of xenophobia, which is something that we've heard in the past few years, bandied about, that for the Christian, there's no such thing as xenophobia, a fear of the outsider. For Christians, it's philozenia that we should love the outsider, that we should love the stranger. And what the author of Hebrews is saying Is that in the same way that you love and welcome your brothers and sisters in Christ, you also are to love the stranger? When we understand it biblically, hospitality is about loving outsiders. But it's not just something that's nice to do if you have the time, you know, if you you find space in your day, feel free to love outsiders. It's at the heart of demonstrating the character of God, that we who follow Jesus live life to reflect the character of God into the world. And the heart of God is to love the outsider. Look at, uh, Romans 5.8 with me. Here's what it says. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is God loving outsiders, loving strangers, that everything about our salvation is tied up in the fact that God loves the outsider. Being a Christian means that while you were an outsider to God, he loved you. That you are a recipient of God's extravagant love. Through the death of Jesus on the cross, you were welcomed into God's family, though you were a stranger. And as part of God's family we extend the same love to outsiders as our Father does. Listen, God's grace forever transforms how we relate to strangers and outsiders. Do you see that in your life? I mean, let me put it another way. One way to tell whether or not you have received the grace of Jesus Christ is to take a hard look at how you relate to outsiders and strangers. I mean, think about it in your own life. Take a real look. Don't gloss over this. Because I think we can lie to ourselves and say, well, yeah, I love outsiders and strangers. If I ever come across one, I'll love them. But think about how you relate to those people who are not yet followers of Jesus. I just think about it. Just for a minute. Think about how you relate to people, <clears throat> excuse me, who are different than you. How do you relate to people who are different than you? Are you kind? Are you welcoming? Do you make uh, you, do you go out of your way to make people feel included? To make people feel cared for? Or do you get disgusted? Do you get angry? Do you have a short fuse? Do you judge people? Do you make sure and keep your distance? You see, when you've received God's grace in Jesus, it should humble you. When we receive the grace of God, three things should become clear. First of all, we did not deserve it. There's no deserving. We didn't deserve the grace of God. The second thing that should become clear is we didn't earn the grace of God. And the third thing that becomes clear is that we were in desperate need of it. And so when we relate to other people who have not yet come into relationship with Jesus, we relate as humble people. We relate as those who remember the feeling of being without hope in the world before we were saved. And we extend to those who don't yet have that hope the love that we've received in Jesus. It should make you Wildly generous should make you humble. You know, as one person put it, we're just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Is that how you relate to outsiders? I mean, think about it. I really want you to think about it. Is that how you relate to outsiders? Because biblical hospitality which is of value in the kingdom, biblical hospitality is all about loving outsiders and strangers. So what does it look like? What does it look like if, you know, maybe we hear this and we say, oh, okay, you're right. I need to begin to exercise hospitality. Derek, you know, thanks for bringing this to my attention. I, I glossed over it. I missed it. And now that I see it, I can't unsee it. How do we begin by loving the stranger? How do we begin doing that? Let me tell you a story. March 2016, some of you will remember it. Some of you were there. This church, we had our grand opening service. We did two months of preview services, which those of you who were there remember uh, all the meetings that we had, right? And all the the broken parts and the things that didn't fit together. The one week we realized we got to offering time and had no offering basket, um, The previous services, we worked really hard to iron out all the things necessary to have a successful grand opening. You guys remember that? Some of you do, some of you don't. And one of the things that it never occurred to us to do in planning for our grand opening was to create a hospitality team or a welcome team. I mean, it's one of those things that that church planting experts would say, you know, when you're building teams, One of the things that's critical is worship team. One of the things that's critical is your kids' ministry. One of the things that's critical is your welcome team or your hospitality team. So this is what the experts say, and yet we didn't have a welcome team. And the reason we didn't have one was because that we understood that everybody was on the hospitality team. You know, one of the things that I loved about the way we grand opened this church is that I didn't have to go around and tell people to welcome new people. It was just part of our culture. We just did it. Like, I would find my... I would just smile to myself uh, and, and I would walk into a place and I would find that somebody new had come to this church and already other people... We're trying to make that person feel welcome. Other people were trying to make sure that that person felt like they were comfortable and that they knew where the bathroom was and they knew where the coffee was. And and likely, if you came to church in the, in the early, early days of Vineyard Altoona, people were going to get to know you. And you would probably get an invite to go to lunch afterward. What we understood intuitively is that hospitality begins By welcoming people in. Let me say it again, because it's important. Hospitality begins by welcoming people in. If you want to begin to move in biblical hospitality, you have to get comfortable at welcoming people in. In the first century, when a stranger showed up at your home, to be hospitable meant to welcome them into your home. You would provide them with safety and protection. When they were under your care, they should feel safe and protected and cared for. But in the same way, you would provide them a place to stay and a, a food to eat. Look again at verse two. Verse two says, Do not forget to show hospitality for strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, Almost certainly, this verse is referring to Genesis 18, where Abraham is visited by two angels and the Lord himself. And if you read that passage in Genesis 18, it basically says three men showed up at Abraham's door. And when they arrive, Abraham doesn't quite know who they are, but he begs them to come and stay with him. And that he would provide, that he would serve them. And and so when they agree, he he provides them with water to wash their feet and rest under this tree over here. And I'm going to make you a meal. And I'm going to make sure that you feel welcomed and cared for and safe and protected. And then in the very next chapter, two of them go into town and, and Lot demands that they come and stay with him. Abraham and Lot welcome them in. And, and in the story, the, the, the catch here is that two of them are angels and one of them is the Lord himself. And they cared for the outsider so much so that they served the Lord. But they did so because they understood that hospitality was what God's people do. Hospitality is a great honor. Now, listen, I know, (laughs) I know that the culture is different. Now, I know that you're probably, when you think about letting people stay in your house, you're probably not walking out onto the street, finding somebody who doesn't have a place to stay and giving them a bedroom. I know that. Culture's different. But I wonder, I wonder how you feel about welcoming the stranger in. Like, yeah, maybe it feels like too big of an ask to welcome the stranger into your home. But what if there was like maybe an intermediate step? Like, what if we could welcome the stranger into our church home? I, you know, in the early days of the church, it was really funny. Uh, We uh, were doing a a Bible study at Sheets, and uh, it was me, Gerald, and Justin— and uh, we were doing the, the passport book, and uh, two weeks in a row we saw this guy at Sheets, and we were just in the habit of, at the end, we would pray for whoever was around. So we prayed for this guy um, one week, and then we left. And the next week, he was there again. So we invited him to sit with us, and we sort of like included him in our Bible study that day. And uh, that night, we had our small group. This was before we had a worship gathering. We had our small group that night, and the small group met at my house. And uh, Justin says to this guy, he says, "You know, we're having a, a small group tonight. Would you like to come?" And the guy was like, "Yeah, absolutely." And then the guy went up, got up, and went to the bathroom. And Justin looked at me, and he goes, "Oh, I probably should have asked if I could invite this guy to your house." So, I know that some of you are not comfortable inviting strangers into your own homes but maybe you would invite them into other people's homes <laughs> but we're, we're probably we're reluctant right to welcome people to come and stay at our houses but what if what if we created an, an, another space what if we started by having a posture of welcoming strangers here welcoming strangers into our Sunday worship gathering what if we started, Exercising hospitality by welcoming strangers into our church family. You know, there's a great book uh, that I read called Making Room Recovering Hospitality as a Christian Tradition. It's by Christine Pohl and Pamela Buck. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in the book, they address the cultural differences that cause us to hesitate inviting strangers into our homes. And they actually validate that fear. That, you know, you can't just invite, in our day and age, you you can't really do that. And so, one of the suggestions that they have is that we create intermediate spaces where strangers can become friends. What if the front door to hospitality in the vineyard was inviting people to church? What if this was the safe space that you're not inviting them into your house yet because you don't know, but you want to be welcoming of the outsider? What if the front door to being hospitable was to welcome people into Vineyard community? I mean, what if we became an inviting and welcoming community that sought to show hospitality by welcoming people into our church family? What if we created an atmosphere of welcome for our Sunday worship gatherings that essentially communicated, we're so glad you're here. We expected you to come. We were hoping you would join us. And now that you're here, we're overjoyed that you've joined us. What if it became normal? What if it became normal to see people among us that we didn't know and we took every opportunity to welcome them in to fellowship? Friends, I believe that over time, strangers would become friends and friends would become family. And we could grow in our exercise of hospitality. So hospitality begins by welcoming people in, but it doesn't stop there. God has so much more in store for your life. It's not just welcome people in. If we understand that loving strangers involves creating an atmosphere of welcome for strangers, what becomes possible for us is to integrate this into our whole lives, that we could become people who don't just welcome outsiders into places that we control, like our homes and our churches, but that we could become people who create an atmosphere of welcome for strangers everywhere we are. That we could embrace hospitality as a lifestyle. You know, one of the people that I know in my life who does this uh, the best is is my Uncle Pat. Uh, You know, one of the things that I most admire about him is that in any situation, he will find the person who's not being engaged in conversation and engage them in conversation. He will find the person who who clearly looks uncomfortable and he'll go and, and go to that person and welcome them into whatever situation. Like, I've seen him do this at his own house. I've seen him do this at my house. I've seen him do this at restaurants. That he just naturally goes and welcomes people in, creates fellowship and hospitality Everywhere he goes, he creates an atmosphere of hospitality. I wonder if that's the kind of people we would be. Jesus, he, in Matthew 25, he shares this grand vision of what people who follow him would look like. I'm going to read this to you. Verse 35, he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You know, this picture that Jesus paints is a picture of a people who are so concerned with seeing the outsider and the stranger, no matter where they are, and making sure that these people feel welcomed in. And what Jesus envisions for those who follow him is that they would be the kind of people who would live a lifestyle of hospitality, that we who follow Jesus would create an atmosphere of welcome wherever we go, and that we would look for the outsider in every situation. Friends, when I think about our mission of equipping people to release the kingdom wherever they go, this is the picture that I have. It's a picture of people, no matter where they go, who extend kingdom welcome. It's a picture of people who look for the outsider and the one whose society rejects, and whose society pushes to the edge, and whose society pushes to the margins because they don't have enough value for whatever culture says they need to have value for, and people who follow Jesus go to the margins. And we invite those people in, and we welcome those people because they're made in the image of God. God. That's the mission of this church, is that we would be people who release the kingdom wherever we go. Friends, in this picture, the righteous weren't going out of their way to be hospitable just in case it was Jesus. They were going out of their way to be hospitable because they had been recipients of God's extreme, extravagant hospitality. They were a changed people. And the benefit that they discovered later is that when they were demonstrating hospitality, they were actually serving the king. Friends, living a life of hospitality, demonstrating love for the outsider and the stranger is one of the most direct ways to serve and worship Jesus. It's why the author of Hebrews puts it right after his charge to worship God acceptably. And what I wonder today is what stands in the way of you living a life of hospitality, of living a life that sees the outsider, values them as made in the image of God and welcomes them in. What stands in the way of this church becoming a place where the outsider feels welcomed and where people can experience the kingdom of God because we extended hospitality? Friends, as we go forward to September and we're planning for this grand reopening I wonder if we couldn't practice between now and then becoming hospitable people in a kingdom way. That everywhere we go, we would train ourselves to see the person who doesn't feel comfortable in their own skin. That we would develop a habit of welcoming the outsider. And maybe that's something we need to get prayer for. I mean, maybe that's something that w- there's a hard heartedness that we need to have broken off. Friend, maybe maybe for you it's it's maybe it's that you've never experienced the radical hospitality of God. And maybe for you today is the day that you would allow God to welcome you in.